I feel like someone would get mad if I wanted to go and shovel right now and wake someone up and shovel their driveway. You're just going to shovel someone's driveway right out in front of the neighborhood for everyone to see? I, you know, I'm a, I'm a wacky man. You know, honestly, uh, I, I just ordered a snowblower, so I might go blow right in the driveway later. It's the Movie Toasty Show, here for you. Dennis and Adam joke about orgasms and sweet movie reviews. We talk about TV too, right? I, I think so. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah! What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 63 of Movie Toast Reviews. Welcome to the podcast where we can't stop talking about the size of Bob Barker's balls. How's it going, Dennis? They are so fucking huge. Okay. Yeah. No, sorry. I just, little known fact. Little, little known. Did little you known. Know? He's, uh, some say he's got a stellar rig. Just throwing it out. Just perpetuating the rumor. That's all. That's all. I mean, they had to really, really kind of keep above the fucking waist shots on him because they just couldn't hold those meaty clankers in the <laughs> pants and not, especially when they moved over to HD cameras. The, the, the boom op had to be really careful where he pointed that mic because those meaty clackers were just smacking. Oh, yeah. up. Okay, God damn it. I can't. It's kind of like those like, little... <laughs> it's like those little metal balls that like go back and forth on a desk and they clank together and then shoot in different directions. Oh my God. I can't keep going. Yeah. I wish I could. I'm sorry. Uh, you might be wondering why we're talking about this. We, we recorded a whole nother intro and we went on this weird Bob Barker tangent, nothing to do with his balls, but more about him cutting dogs balls off because yeah, he would have back alley fucking surgeries for dogs. He's like, hey, welcome yeah. to Culver studio. Uh, anyways, this is the podcast where we review movies and sometimes talk about TV. If you want to hear more about Bob Barker, you should go over to Spotify and listen to Triumph the Insult Comic Dogs CD. Uh, it's a great CD. He has a song on there called Bob Barker. And uh, on that song, it's him and Jack Black talking about getting revenge for all this stuff that he's had done to dogs. Which brings us into the polls. Oh, uh, Dennis, wow. I don't know if you heard. That's a reach. Yeah, segue in it. All right. <laughs> We got there. We got there, uh, so, folks. Don't you doubt it. Woo. This week, er, uh, there was a weird petition going that uh, fans wanted Jack Black to join the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that, I'm like, fuck yes, sign me up. But I'm like, who could he play in this world? And I'm, I try to get some heroes, some villains. Uh, so here's what I had. Ben Grimm, you know, oh, the thing from Fantastic Four. Yes. Wilson Fisk, the Kingpin, because he's pretty fierce as a bald guy. And I like to see him do e an evil character. It could be interesting, but... In my heart, it's always going to be fucking what's his face from like CSI or whatever. Uh, from oh, Daredevil. yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah. Yeah. He he was the best. Nah, uh, next up, I had uh, Logan Wolverine because, I mean, isn't Wolverine normally like a stocky little guy? I know he's not out of shape or anything. True. But... True. And then uh, I don't know why on his Instagram I saw some stuff and he had like an open like shirt, like vest situation. I'm like, maybe Craven the Hunter from Spider-Man. <laughs> I don't know. Really far reaches here. <laughs> the first one right off the top, you had me. That Ben Grimm, mm -hmm. I could see him get him all CG'd up, like 
we we take Ben Grimm a different direction where maybe he starts off. He's the funny, disheveled yeah. guy. Like he works hard, but you don't take him seriously because he has long hair. And now, now that he's gone to space, been exposed to radiation, he has a body made out of stone and can pick up cars. I think we can respect his opinion now. That that that's my choice, Ben Grimm. What, I I'm what with you, you on that. I am a hundred percent. I'm I'm Fuck with yeah. you. The thing I, I was like, in time. Uh, I'd I'd like to see how that would pan out. I mean, they got to do a Fantastic Four, so there's an opening. So the internet said thirty three percent agreed with us. Okay. Thirty three also said Kingpin. And 33 oh. said uh, Craven the Hunter. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Mixed bag. Nobody liked him as Wolverine. No and I one get liked. It. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Although that would be the next most entertaining for myself personally. I got to be honest. Yeah. yeah. That would be funny to see. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So another poll that I had here, um, we ta- I talked about the Crudes 2 last week, and I got to apologize. I was calling it like the new era. I was calling it something. The subtitle, I think I totally said the wrong subtitle. All the wrong, so yeah. Fuck yeah. me. But I-, I wanted to know what people's favorite um, DreamWorks franchise was out of Shrek, How to Train Your Dragon, Despicable Me, and Trolls. Ooh. Oh, shit. Now, okay. I want to say Shrek because that's the only one I feel like I've seen. I I think almost everything at least once, but based on what I've been told and the, the little bits I've seen, it sounds like I would probably enjoy how to train your dragon more. And I got to be honest, I'm I'm one of those weird and this, you can blame a, a few days of, waking and bacon where i just rolled out to the living room with my morning coffee smoked a bowl and then the the animated series was on cartoon network in the morning <laughs> and i was glued to it i was just like holy shit you actually have they had the main cast in the show uh-huh. like, hey all right I, i'll i'll sit and watch this for a few minutes and it, yeah and you can get jay bar show yeah but um no yeah how to train your dragon it's a beautiful trilogy man like uh i i love shrek i love trolls it's fickle me and minions they're cool but my vote would have been How to Train Your Dragon, dude. You should check it oh, out. Like, it damn. literally has okay. a great beginning, great middle, and the end is just phenomenal. Like, all, all three hitting on all great cylinders, I think. Nice. Okay. So, uh, Shrek got 75%, and How to Train Your Dragon got 25%. Oh, wow. Okay. It, yeah. But Nobody. that's funny. It's kind of like my knee jerk reaction was more or less there. Yeah. Shrek was, you know, what I grew up with personally. I remember the first time seeing it in theater and being like genuinely surprised with watching that movie. That it was mm-hmm. a great comment on what a lot of other stuff that we were getting. It, like we can keep hitting that same formula, or you can deliberately break the formula. And I like their yeah, make a of- farce out of fairy tales, which was awesome. Yeah. But then, then the sequels they kind of started falling in those same tropes as regular fairy tales. Absolutely. Yes. Was kind of sad, I think. Yeah. And I, I kind of faded away myself from the series over, over time. I, I was sad. Nobody voted for trolls. The first one was one of my favorites, but um, I, I do agree with it the uh, internet on this. We're, we're going to, we're going to move on from this. We're gonna but, move um, on, but yeah. I also, I, I also reviewed a movie called happiest season, which starred Kristen Stewart and uh, got my motor running thinking, do people like the Twilight Saga? Uh, the answers were yes, no, only the books, and what's Twilight? Okay. <laughs> I always like to have a weird wild card in there. I don't know why. <laughs> what did the folks give us? What are so we got a twenty nine percent on only the books? Oh, all right. Um, was that the, that was the biggest? 20... No, no, no. Oh, no, not the. I'm, I'm working backwards oh, on this one. Oh, today. okay. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, the yeah. formula. 
I don't want to be like Shrek. I, I want to <laughs> oh change. It. I want to go in a new direction. Uh, 29% went to no. All right. So where do you think? Uh, I'll tell you. There's a zero and there's a 43. What do you think? Do you think what's Twilight got 43 or yes? This is our our Twitter followers. Yes. Yes. Is that your final answer? It's it's yes. 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 Nerds. Yes. It is definitely yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. I was surprised. I'm like. I'm happy to see uh, some people like, ah, I like the books. So I was happy to see we got some literate people. There we go. God All knows right. I'm not literate. We know words and <laughs> such. I'm proud of you. Um, And then I don't know if you saw the big news of the week. I, I assume you would have. Uh, but Warner Brothers has decided to make their whole film slate from yeah. 21, uh, 2021 to be shown on HBO Max for a month. And then also simultaneously in theaters. So I wanted to know what our followers out of the following four movies were most excited to watch at home. Out of Godzilla vs. Kong, Space Jam, A New Legacy, <laughs> The Suicide Squad, and The Matrix 4. And everything got votes here, Dennis. Ooh, okay. For me, I my, my guess... Okay, there's what I'm most looking forward to, and then there's what I think the people chose. I feel like it's a tie mm-hmm. for the people. It's a tie between Space Jam and The Matrix. Okay. For me personally, I think it might be The Matrix. Cool. Yeah. What about you? What, what do you think? Uh, for, for both things. I, mean, I want to hear I, what you think the people say and your all personal right, so, choice. So what, what I think people would say and what I what I would vote for? Yes. All right. So, yeah. All right. I think people would. I, I agree with you. I think people would say The Matrix 4. A part of me wants to say Matrix 4, but a part of me really wants to know what a new Space Jam's like. So I would have voted for <laughs> a new legacy. Okay. Okay. Um, what do we got? Oh, all right. So in last place with the 2% Space Jam, a new legacy. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. It's it kind of. We not jamming. We not be jamming. Okay. No. Five percent. You want to take a guess of uh, what five percent would have been? Well, fucking. I guess the Matrix at at this rate, because I thought for sure. <laughs> <laughs> How would you feel if I told you that you were correct? Five percent for the Matrix. 4. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised at all because I was so sure about Space Jam. <laughs> uh, man, but I really thought fucking the Matrix Four was a big hype movie. Yeah, but apparently only you and I care about old IP. So next up, we got 13%. Uh, we we still have Alive, Godzilla vs. Kong, and The Suicide Squad. Okay, okay. It, now, Godzilla does sound like a fun ride. It's just the last one didn't leave me as wanting as I really wanted it to be. It was cool. It was a cool monster movie, but it wasn't like... As gripping as the first one was to me, I think. I gotta agree with you, but uh are we talking about Godzilla or Kong? God oh, Godzilla? Godzilla, yeah. And but you're right, because okay. it actually counts both series, so Yeah, because I'm gonna agree, I don't like any of these American uh Godzillas, to be honest with you. But I do oh. like Kong Skull Island. But uh anyways, back to the show here. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh do you, do you would you lock that in as a thirteen percenter or would you put the Suicide Squad as a thirteen percenter? Hmm. I think that one, just because I feel All like right. as as bittersweet as the last Suicide Squad experience was for general audiences, I think a lot of people are looking for redemption on that on that mm. title. So, well, I'd lock in final answer. I will tell you, you are one hundred percent correct here. Godzilla vs Kong is thirteen percent, and the Suicide Squad got eighty percent. Want to start kicking us off with some reviews? If we still have an audience listening. I, I think we do. I think we do. Because they're all itching all right. to hear the epic conclusion of the Ip Man legacy. So I actually what? just went ahead and finished off both the last two films. It 
there was no point in trying to choose between one or the other. I know that was up in the air last episode. I said, screw it. I watched both. I will I'm tell you, you which order I watched them in, though. Oh, that I am intrigued to find out. In chronologically released order. So I watched Master Z first, and then I watched It Man 4. So that is the re- the order I will review them in. Um, All right, but I got to ask before you give the review, does any of the uh, Master Z flow into uh, the fourth movie or not? Really? Absolutely not. Have nothing to do with each other. Master <laughs> Z... Pretty much its own thing. If anything, it kind of helps establish some backstory for the character. If you have seen It Man 3, you just kind of catch some of the beats a little quicker. But they do explain it all to you in the, within the film. Master Z does give mm-hmm. you the, the newspaper headlines will flash on screen. Those are all previous scenes. And you, there's a few uh, montages that are just really quick sums of a scene or two from that film just to finish setting up what the character is trying to describe. It fills you in. It's all there. I think you don't, you don't really miss anything. Uh, which I didn't. I, uh, I, I saw this movie without seeing any Ip Man movie, and I was thoroughly impressed. So I know. I think it would help a tiny, in the tiniest, tiniest. Now you call me a fucking liar, Dennis. Fuck no, no, you. No. Fuck I'm you. Fuck you. Podcast over. I wish you would. I wish you would. Please. Um, in the, the tiniest percent in that you understand a little better, the gravity of where the character's coming from. I mean, you can just go with it too. Like if you just don't question his mother. Yeah, there you go. Boom. I I let it take me on a wild ride, man. You can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now I don't know what happened because there's subtitles and I don't know how to read. So I just looked at pretty things. You watch pretty things go by. Well, I would highly recommend reading the subtitles as. All right. I'll learn to read just this movie. It's not as strenuous as listening to all of the songs in a film, but it is almost <laughs> as demanding. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know what you're referencing here, man. I listen to all the movie uh, music in Mulan, man. I'm a I'm a fucking true believer we, in listening. Let's just let's get down to business and defeat the Huns. Okay. All right. All so, right. So give, give me the nitty gritty. What's this flick about, man? I saw it a year ago, so I forget. So Master Z, we're continuing the story of the other Wing Chun champion in Hong Kong that was defeated by Itman. And he was the one who was promoting that he was the traditional Wing Chun fighter, that he is the one teaching true Wing Chun. What's interesting is after the events of Itman 3, his character completely gave up martial arts. He just wanted to live a quiet, straight-laced life, take care of his son, keep living his life in Hong Kong, and it is what it is. Not the case. Uh, He's clearly too familiar with just how this world works. He used to fight in the underground fighting ring, so I feel like there's a part of his character that recognizes just when this exists in the world around him, so he kind of gravitates towards some of this. Due to certain events, he has to pay off a debt. It's kind of like the bar row. It's it's like the part of town where a lot of the foreigners and the tourists come to go have a drink and have a good time. And it's it kind of oh, reminds yeah. me of the, the strip in Vegas a little bit. There's a lot of neon, yeah. a lot of glitz and glamour, a lot of live music and that type of shazam. Sexy time, as I call it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this this film does uh, have an interesting cast. I have to toss out there. Uh, Tony Jaa, Michelle Yeoh, 
and Dave Batista yeah, all tracks. make an appearance in this film alongside our main character. Uh, so Chung Tin Chi is, is the main character played by uh, Jin Zhang, who is the same actor from the previous film. And I honestly thought he did an incredible job. Very entertaining. His fight scenes were badass and that momentum carries into this film 100%. And so does his ass. I, sorry, sorry. I mean, <laughs> I, guess, I guess we get some we get some good ass in here, too. I'm just trying know. to say, ladies, uh, check it out. Dave Batista grilling steaks, telling mm-hmm. you just how well done it's got to be. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is some interesting uh, crossover. Not crossover. Uh, the story folds back in on itself a couple times, which I appreciate what it's trying to do, weaving the personal storylines back into each other. And it's like, uh, I'm not really surprised. We see it coming, but it's still an enjoyable ride. It very much stays in tone with the previous films, but I like this renewed vigor that this film adds to the series by not being restrained to the fact that we're trying to stick to all of these true life facts. We don't need to keep injecting the same Donnie Yen, Itman character and forcing it down this lane of of things we already want to watch. Things that we know we want to see on camera with this style of fighting. I love the way the camera treats the, the fight scenes in this world. Um, I love the locations. And I like that uh, Master Z is giving us more of this world that I've fallen in love with with the films. But the story of the films doesn't necessarily need to stick to, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. The Ip Man movies don't need to keep living in this time frame we don't need to stay in this era which well we'll get into that with the next film i I am going to comment on that because it does affect my overall rating oh but this is it is so genuinely good master z is awesome and if you have watched the first two uh it man movies first three sorry it man movies please continue master z is a great movie it, uh, in fact i say master z is better Itmon 3. Yeah, that's why I didn't see any of the Itmon movies. <laughs> well, um, only just. Itmon 3, I gave a 2.9 if you have forgotten. I I'm going to give Master Z a 3.0. Shit. It's only, it just, it just beats it out. Only just. Like, it, it is a awesome movie, but it is not, like, so, so much better than the rest of the Itmon films that I think they're still worth watching. You, you really, especially for someone like you, Adam, to just kind of randomly jump in on Master Z, it's totally worth going back to at least see the first one right. to set up this world. And I'm just going to roll right into Itmon 4 because I watched that. I literally, as soon as I stopped watching uh, Master Z, I started this one nice. and just wrapped the whole story up in one viewing. Um Itmon 4, we are jumping ahead in the timeline a little bit. Unfortunately, Itmon's wife has passed away. He um, is with his son, kind of having a hard time. He starts a lot of fights. (laughs) So, yeah, go figure. Turns out, Itmon's got to go and find a school abroad for him to go and check out. It's it's come to terms with the fact that I I need to look out for what's better for him. I want to give him a private school. But I also realized he can't be anywhere near people have heard of his name because they're no, they're going to know trouble's coming. So <laughs> he there's a school in San Francisco where there's a large Chinese population, given the American history. We're, we're going to go try there and we're going to go get the endorsement of the local Chinese population with their uh, it's, it's kind of like this guild. All of the masters of the Kung Fu schools kind of have like the societal our approval means you're a good business kind of group it's like a i don't know better business it's it's a thing for the 
community and it's their seal of approval, I guess. And nice. you need their seal in order to kind of get into the school if you're from abroad. Ip Man's coming to them and they're like, oh, oh, hey, we've heard of you, man. You're kind of a big deal. I think you need to prove to us your Kung Fu. And he's just like, this <laughs> This has nothing to do with this. What? Come on. My son needs to go to school. We get through. So, and, he, and here is where we get to like, we've kind of hit some of these beats before. But the framing is a little different. It's not quite as life and death. I like that in this one. It's like it's a little bit more real life off the top with the fact that he's still he's trying to be a father this time, not just I've got to defend my school from getting burned down. I'm, I've got to defend my school from the invading Japanese. It's I have to get a school for my kid to go to and not be kicked out of. Now, of course, he still finds some trouble that he has to fight his way out of. But in this world, it's a little more realistic. We're reminded again that uh, death is around every corner. And his doctor reminds him, you need to stop smoking because now you have cancer. Your smoking habit that has been depicted throughout all of the films has finally caught up to him and you need to stop. So this is another part of the motivation for him to go to America and find a school for his son is... I am not going to be there to take care of my son forever. So I need to figure this shit out now. Mm. So while he's struggling with trying to quit smoking and his, his cancer kind of catching up with him, he's, he's still seeing the, the evil in the world that he's fought so much against. And uh, Bruce Lee, one of his, a student of a student now has gone off and started his own school in America. There's a little bit of turbulence between his version of Kung Fu and Wing Chun compared to the traditional values of the Chinese Kung Fu schools where you only taught it to other Chinese people. You didn't huh. teach it to white people. You didn't teach it to anyone outside of your race. That's weird. It was a, that was a point. And Iman had to be like, this, that is his school. I, he gets to teach it to who he teaches to. And isn't it better if we teach it to more people? It's better, it's better for us Chinese if more people understand our culture because yeah. then we get to keep enjoying our culture. And I, I liked the message they had there. There was a there was a cool moment where one of uh, Bruce Lee's students comes to China to try to deliver a letter to Itman. And he just busts in. And he's just like, oh, that's really cool. I Except this is how I was taught. And he just starts kicking the shit out of some of the students who are at. And they're just like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> it, was a funny, it was a funny moment off the top. Where it was uh, a classic Itman kind of cold fight scene uh, transition that was huh. pretty enjoyable but nice. long story short it, it 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 it's a very good method of wrapping up the journey we've been on it is the final chapter for sure don't like think we're setting up a fucking another one another one another one whatever that's what master z is for don't worry the word on the street is master z is actually getting a sequel thankfully uh we with the same cast uh the same the same actor starring in it which he does what an street? incredible job Sesame street? we're all fighting on it monster um, <laughs> i'd watch that show uh itmon four uh itmon the final fight i'm giving a 2.9 as well just like oh. itmon three it's yes we hit some of the same beats again and that's honestly where it loses that point one for me personally keeping it from a, a 3.0 it is still a really awesome movie and it it does a good job wrapping up the story. I liked how it does a good job of wrapping up the story. I like how we worked Bruce Lee back into it. And we saw some of the moments with him. There was a lot of like respect paid towards his character. It, it was refreshing. I, I, I liked that we kind of tidied it up. It, it's all said and done now, but it's still a great action movie, a great Kung Fu movie. If, if you have kept up with all of my other reviews of the previous Itmon movies and you've watched them this far, might as well finish it off. Hit the fourth one. If if you weren't mad you saw the third one, 
please go ahead and finish the the fourth uh, one. It couldn't couldn't encourage you enough. Nice. I, yeah, sorry, I, I drug that out. I, I no, no, please. Long... I mean, this is an epic final countdown that you're giving here, so I, I appreciate it. You kind of sold me uh, on it. Kinda, only kinda. But you still haven't watched the first Itmon. That's what I. That's what I want to get you to do is watch the first one. Dude, don't worry, I got you. Hey, where 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 did you watch these? Are these on Netflix? These are all on Netflix. Yes. All right, that's legit. So, you're talking about some ass kickers. Uh, you ever see the movie Kill Bill? Oh hell yeah! Yeah, you know the director of it, Quentin Tarantino. The- Absolutely. I don't know. He's a little indie guy. I don't know if you've heard of him. I just figured I'd check. But apparently, some people do. They made this documentary about him called QT Eight: The First Eight. Uh, which is kind of a celebration of everything, like beginnings as like a video store clerk and all the movies he's made. And this has interviews with a bunch of fucking people like Zoe Bell, Mia Savaro, Jennifer Jason Lee, Robert Forrester, uh, Bruce Dern, Tim Roth, Lucy Liu, Diane Kruger, Kurt Russell, Jamie Foxx, Uma Thurman, Eli Roth, Michael Madsen, Christoph Waltz. Sam, pretty much almost everyone he worked with, like all gushing over him. And like this, they even like they talk about every single movie. They show clips of it. They talk about all the things that went in it. And literally, this made me want to go and like watch these fucking movies again. I forgot how great Quentin Tarantino is. (laughs) Like they even went all the ways up until like they were like, oh, now he's filming this movie uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. They did that. They talked about him buying one of my favorite theaters of all time the uh new beverly uh in hollywood uh they they even talk about fucking harvey weinstein uh and his scandal and uh there was nothing was off book here everything was like thrown out on front street and okay it was so fucking good dude i i mean i i don't know how to describe it like i've watched a lot of bad documentaries lately like i even asked my brother i'm like hey you want to watch this quentin tarantino fucking doc he's like nah let me know how it is i know uh, the last couple i've watched with you have been kind of bad i'm like all right i guess i'll watch by myself and oh dude this movie this was a great documentary that really makes me want to go back and watch it and just hearing the passion of like the way people are talking like even uh eli roth was saying like the first day on set uh of inglorious bastards quentin would go up and ask everyone what the backstories were of their characters and one person didn't have a backstory and was fired. And that was just a fucking background actor. Jesus. And like, you know, with the intro, when we meet the uh, the beer Jew, is that uh, Eli Roth's character's name? Yeah. Uh, yes, sir. Yep. So you know how he comes out all rough and tough with the bat and he yeah. beat the shit out of that guy? Apparently, he told Eli, we're going to film this uh, in, a, in a little bit. So Eli was doing like push-ups. He was like working out nonstop, ready to be like fucking all like badass. Getting all jacked and all yeah. pumped up. Yeah. Uh-huh. And like the uh, lunch came on the first day and he's like, hey, you know, we're going to shoot after lunch. Don't worry. And then they shot something else. Then he's like, all right, it's a wrap. And he kept that going for five days, pissing Eli off. And then like by the time he actually had him come out, it was a mental game that he set up here. He wanted him to come out pissed and like a like a pint of dog. Annoyed and oh, jeez. Uh-huh. 
So like, that's just the psyche there. And like, even just hearing like little things like Michael Madsen would talk about the first time they did this and that. And like the first time anybody's read a script of his, just how like his first time he went to Cannes, nobody knew who he was, but people heard about Reservoir Dog and they wanted to meet him. So all these big directors invited him into this conference room and he kind of took over with this charisma and attitude. And he was one of these big time directors just from a film <laughs> festival. And they went from talking about like how the first day he was there, nobody knew who he was. And then that night it premiered at midnight. And the next day, everyone fucking knew who he was and wanted his autograph, want to take pictures. Even talked about how he cared about actors like uh, Zoe Bell. She was like always a stunt double in his movies. And then he brought her in on uh, Death Proof. And there was that scene where uh, she was on top of the car as they're like, I think playing a game where like she has like the belt on the car and driving really fast. And she filmed it. And Quentin's like, hey, come over here. Take a look at this. Tell me what it's missing. Or he's like, what do you think? She's like, oh, it's great. It's beautiful. He's like, yeah, but it's missing something. He made her watch it again. She's like, I don't know what it's missing. And then he's like, just look at your face here. And she's like, oh, she was looking away from the camera the whole time because she's so used to not looking. He's like, no, we got to go back and take this again because we want to see your face. You're the star of this movie. And she's used to hiding her face from camera. So she matches uh-huh. whoever the cast. Is. That's funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> and when he pitched the movie to her, she's like, all right, cool. I'd love to be a stunt double. And it just gets someone who looks at me so I can be in it. And he's like, no, no, I wrote this for you. And she's like, well, I've never actually acted. He's like, don't worry. You got it. Just all these personal <laughs> stories. And like, the way he just fought for everyone and like Robert Forrester told about how like he was a big time star back in the day. And like by the time Jackie Brown came around, nobody wanted to have him in movies or shows. He was washed up and he fought to have him in the movie. I, I could just talk about this movie forever, man. Uh, QTAs. Oh yeah. I wanted to write after it, but I ended up going to the store and coming home and watching more movies to review, but it, it was really, really fucking great. I give this documentary 3.5 stars. Uh, I'll say I want to give it four, but for some reason, Quentin Tarantino himself wasn't in it. And I'd like to actually see him in it. Oh, shit. Yeah. I want to hear stories from his mouth. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure, we see him in BTS and stuff, but we don't actually see him talking to the camera or anything. Yeah. So that kind of held me back from giving it a solid four, but it was a okay. great documentary. Shit. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, damn. No, that sounds great. So where did you watch that? This is on Stars. Uh, you can probably rent it. I know oh, it had a, okay. a very limited theatrical. I think it was like a Fathom event. It came out, I want to say, right before the pandemic, and now it's out on Stars. So I'm like, I'll fucking watch it. And I've been putting it off for a while because I'm like, I don't know, but I'm so happy I watched it. Yeah, man. Damn. No, that sounds awesome. I, If I had access to that service, I totally would have uh, given that a view as well. That, yeah. that sounds really good. But I feel like after the new year, I think I might start watching a Quentin Tarantino movie a week or something and talking about it because it really got me excited. Oh, nice. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it'd be like my version of the Ipmon, except there's really no oh, actual yeah. connecting tissue. Um, a little bit. A little bit. He won't confirm it, but it's there. So, uh, what did you watch? What else you got on the on the list? Not the, my next movie isn't that good. I can tell you that right <laughs> off the top. So, uh oh, watch out! Next film I submitted for review here uh, was something I watched on a whim. I just remember hearing when it came out and being like, "No, oh, yeah, okay, I'll give that a shot" because I liked the one before it. So this uh, review is Rainbow Last Blood from 2019 just uh, last year uh i i recall enjoying the last old man rambo movie but i forgot oh that movie was great yeah it was do you remember how long ago it was it was 2007 2008 i think yeah it's been all it's been almost 10 years 
Guess how much older Rambo looks in this one? He a little so over 10 cool. years older. Maybe 20 <laughs> years older in this one. I don't know. Maybe 30 years uh, older. Hard to tell under that much plastic surgery. Oh, boy. I'll admit, we start off on a somewhat Rambo-like moment, but not a moment I thought we would jump in on, where uh, he's on horseback helping uh, some hikers escape a flash flood. And even mm-hmm. then, I think these are rescuers looking for the missing hiker who got washed or like are caught in a flash flood and he saves one of them but not everyone gets saved some of them die and he's oh but i, I left a man behind and it's like oh, sorry rambo you, you can't save everyone you're just a human so well i, I can't remember because it, and it's more rambo we're finding out the person that worked in the house housekeeper or something she or who worked for his father that's what it was on the ranch had heard she raised her daughter there too and her daughter was kind of like a daughter to john rambo and there's like this oh my god i gotta say it takes like half an hour to see rambo do something fucking rambo in in a rambo movie okay (laughs) and even then we watch rambo get his ass kicked a little humanity long as shit it's an hour and a half long it feels long as shit it, it's it's half an hour before we see him do something slightly Rambo and then he sucks at it. Th- then it's not until the last 40 minutes of the movie do we see <laughs> Rambo actually get to be a true Rambo badass. Oh <laughs> my God. Janice, her jaw is, is hitting the floor right now because she cannot believe how little Rambo is in a fucking <laughs> Rambo movie. Oh boy. It's a complete waste of time. Um, well, like you said, Dennis, he's an old man. What do you want he's, from him? I want him to not agree to make another fucking Rambo movie ever again. Dennis, he doesn't agree. He fucking writes these things. He produces them. He wants to make another one. Dude, but you Um, you, you know the backstory before this movie came out? The other version of Rambo he wanted to make? Did you hear anything about that? I've, I've heard varying versions of like... What, 20 years ago, he had an idea for what Rambo was going to be? Oh, oh, for a while, it was on a lot of sites for a lot of years. After Rambo came out, the last one before this, there was talk about him hunting down a man-beast, like a werewolf-style man-beast in the woods. And I was all fucking for that. I'm like, fuck yeah. Rambo hunts Bigfoot. Ideally, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, I could watch the fuck out of that, man. Uh, I would like it a lot more than this fucking last blood bullshit. But uh, clearly you're not as jazzed as I was about that. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Then again, it sounds like that's just Stallone's style. Once we've made a few of these, let's put it in a fucking crazy place. That's like the um, a a lot of people know the infamous story of the Rocky movies were Uh going to start going to space by Rocky three or four. The original version of the script, Stallone was going to have Rocky go to Mars to box an alien in space i've never watched any of the rocky movies but i would watch the fuck out of that i do like the creed movies but rocky in space hey we never would have got creed if we would have got so anyways to keep up with the tradition of movies series gone on far too long stallone did it again well not again (laughs) creed was good rambo was bad rambo last (laughs) blood i'm giving a single slice of toast we get some really badass like kills and executions at the end of the movie, but an hour and a half of your life may or may not be worth watching some badass Rambo kills. And if those were the kills throughout the whole movie, that'd be amazing. But him going across the border, hunting this girl down. This, this would be two and a half slices easy if it was uh-huh. literally just the last 40 minutes of the movie <laughs> for an hour and a half. I would have I would have given it two and a half slices, but yeah. one, one. 
crusty, dry slice of toast <laughs> for Rambo Last Blood. I viewed it on, I believe that was Amazon Prime. All right. So not the primest of the prime. Ooh, nice. So we can, we can skip right past that one. But <laughs> I, I'm hoping, it, Adam, you got something to dig us out of this hole. Uh, I'll try. I'll see what I can do for you here. Uh, next up, I have the HBO Max original comedy, Super Intelligent which is written and directed by Ben Falcone. Uh, it stars okay. Falcone's wife, Melissa McCarthy, as an average woman named Carol, who holds the fate of the universe and all of humanity in her hands. Jesus. This happens when a super intelligent AI voiced by none other than late night's lovable British comedian, comedian, I'm going to stick with that. Andy Richter. <laughs> Andy Richter would be amazing. I'd watch the fuck out of that. Uh, but unfortunately, it's just James Corden. Who, who I always want to call him James ah. Corden. Uh, he uh, kind of shadows her in order for him to decide whether he wants to destroy, enslave, or save humanity. Okay. Uh, it's an <laughs> odd little movie, man. Uh, it really didn't make me laugh at all. I felt like uh -oh. McCarthy was phoning it in, and it just did not impress me in any which way. Like, when... It first happens, she acts a little freaked out, but not as freaked out as one would if fucking the voice of James Corden was coming out of every piece of electricity you have and telling you he's ready to fucking kill humanity and it's all on your shoulders. And then it also is like he, because she's like floundering in life, he kind of gets, makes her a millionaire, gets her a penthouse, gets her an amazing car that drives itself, and he kind of sets her back up with her ex-lover played by, um, what the fuck's his name? Rose Byrne's husband. Um, Bobby Carnavelli, I think I'm saying his name wrong. But either oh, way, okay. it's, it's more of just like, it's a weird little movie. And it just did not do it for me. And honestly, this was slated to come out in theaters. And I think they made the right move putting this on VOD. Because, I don't know. Honestly, uh, the movies that uh, Ben Falcone has written and directed, like Tammy and The Boss, I don't know, something about, I just don't like his his directing and writing. And I like him as an actor. He's a great actor and comedian. I like Melissa McCarthy, but for some reason their movies are just kind of flat and stale to me. And this kind of fell in that hmm. same category. Shoot. Not too bad. Yeah. Yeah, man. But hey, maybe, like I said, I like bad movies and uh, I tend to hate movies that are good, I guess, in most people's eyes. So I could be <laughs> wrong. So I guess you're going to have to check it out for yourself. If you guys got the HBO Max, uh, please check this out and let me know if I'm wrong. But I'm giving Super Intelligence one and a half slices of toast. Damn, okay. Okay. Yeah. Not uh, not great. We did a little better. We, yeah. we dug a little out of the hole. If, if it helps, uh, I did watch it at like two o'clock in the morning and I was kind of dozing off a bit and my mother liked it, uh, but I did not like it. But, um, <laughs> okay. So maybe if you're like a 50 something year old, uh, older person, you might like it. Maybe if you're not me and you watch it at a suitable time of night or in the day, you'll like it. Um, but Dennis, can you dig us out of that one? I I think I can. I think I can. Right. So I thought it'd get a little festive, but I didn't want to watch the same old stuff over and over again. Oh, let's watch Santa Claus rob a, rob a liquor store, huh? You know, oh, right? Shit. Did you watch a uh, Bad Santa three or something? I watched El Camino Christmas. Oh, okay. Oh, Tim Allen, right? He's in that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. So this is actually sporting a pretty intriguing cast, if I'm terribly honest. So so uh, just like you said, this film is uh, starring Tim Allen as well as Jessica Alba, 
Jimmy okay. Yang, Vincent D'Onofrio. We also got the likes of Luke Grimes, who is uh, currently starring in Yellowstone, Kurtwood okay. Smith, and Dax Shepard. Oh, yeah. It's all over the place. It, and it, uh, that alone got me wanting to watch the movie. But uh, the fact that all this kind of kooky story was set over Christmas made me wonder what in the hell is going on here. So <laughs> we have the likes of Luke Grimes wandering into this uh small desert town uh, of El Dorado where or El Dorado El Camino <laughs> where he's 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 looking for somebody and uh, it's clear we got a we got a few different stories going on Dax Shepard and Kurtwood Smith are a couple of the sheriffs in town Vincent D'Onofrio also a sheriff kind of gross he's uh he's he's the dirty uh I've been here the longest and I know what's really going kind of he's that guy you know Tim Allen is uh, he's the guy that lives in the apartment that uh, Luke Grimes character's father, the guy he's looking for, his father. Mm. He lives in the apartment that his dad used to live in, but he he moved out a long time ago. So he's just this crazy old alcoholic that's just like, I can tell you stories and got a <laughs> crazy drunk Tim Allen trying to tell you what what for. Nice. Emilio Riviera plays this guy, Vicente, who owns this convenience store where most of the movie goes down. He actually was, he's the leader of the Mayans chapter in Sons of Anarchy. Mm-hmm. He, that, that same actor, he, he he stars in this as well. He's the one playing yeah. Vicente. Great, uh, great guy. And it's kind of funny to see him play this really low key down to earth, totally not going to shoot you in the face kind <laughs> of biker guy. That was refreshing to see. It's, it's very lighthearted throughout. I like the comedy and the tone. Dax Shepard just kind of being this doof country cop that's just trying mm-hmm. to do the best job he can as well as run the front desk at a motel as well as <laughs> you know every other thing that the small town kind of asks of every other small town person luke grimes is just he's just trying to figure out where, where to go and to, like clearly everyone else knows how things work and i'm just trying to find one guy and get the fuck out of here and this is all occurring over christmas okay he comes in two days before the movie cold opens though with a gunfight at a convenience store and and proceeds to jump to 36 hours prior. So we, we have a lot of build up to this particular gunfight at a convenience store. And how we get there is is quite the ride. And I got to say, it is a very fun and entertaining journey. It's definitely not going to be for everyone. So I will I will give that much up front. It's a it's a dark comedy. So if you are the type of person that would laugh while watching Pulp Fiction, I think you'll get a laugh in El Camino Christmas as well. Not not to compare it to Pulp Fiction, like to say it's as good, <laughs> but just it's that that humor. You know, it, it, you, if you have that sense of humor there, then you're going to enjoy what they're doing here. So long and the short of it, I'm going to give El Camino Christmas uh, 3.0, three slices, because Interesting. It, it was a genuinely enjoyable time. I liked the humor. I, I liked this little story that we set up in the small town, and it's, you, you see certain things, certain twists coming, but it's just funny to watch the different characters run into each other in the conflict and just, well, this is where we are now. Uh, not what I expected to see of Tim Allen. Definitely not what you expect to see of Tim Allen in a Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as well as everyone else. It's a, it's a, it's a funny little corner of the world to, uh, to find, but uh, I, I enjoyed it. It was a good ride. Fair like enough, I said, fair enough. So, uh, El Camino Christmas on Netflix, three slices from Dennis. Now, uh, <laughs> I I was very excited for this movie. I, I really like Dax Shepard. I enjoy Tim Allen. The whole cast, like you said, is phenomenal. But this is going to go back to what I just said on my previous review. I tend to kind of like bad things and hate good things. Uh, I honestly did not like this one. Um, for me, I would give this half a slice of toast. But uh, that's uh, wow. I'm happy to hear that you like this one. So wow. that's, that's, that's a, a very, very widely different review. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I watched uh, I watched a movie that uh, they filmed out here in Massachusetts, which I was at a very low point in the beginning of the year. I'm like, I haven't worked since December. And then this movie rolled to town. I'm like, ah, oh, I got an I got an interview to go fucking pick out trash and recycle it on this set. And I went to this fucking fucking interview. And I'm like, I fucking got this, man. I'm well overqualified. And then I didn't get this fucking job, man. I'm talking about this Disney Plus movie called Godmothered. Uh, it's an original uh, movie starring <laughs> Jillian Bell and Isla Fisher. So I don't know if that's gonna set off the tone of my review here, but so you weren't you weren't good enough to pick up trash for the Godmothered set. So I don't. Don't think you're going to be happy about the premise well, of the film. Well, there's a twist here, Dennis. I was hired a as a security guard for a couple of days on it from an outside oh, security area, and I pretty much sat in a car. And yeah. uh yeah, yeah, I sat in a car in the fucking like 20 degree weather as it was snowing and raining. One day I was outside in crew parking, watching all people go and do work I wish I could do. Fucking freezing my ass off. Oh man. But anyways, yeah, kind of miserable, dude. <laughs> give you the review oh. of this movie so toasters get ready strap in uh, so it stars jillian bell from uh, workaholics and isla fisher you know she's borat's wife uh, she was in wedding crashes lots of <laughs> movies uh so bell He's plays a, a wife <laughs> i'm sorry uh, i had to uh so bell plays the fairy godmother in training named eleanor who finds out the world doesn't need fairy godmothers anymore so her school's going to be shutting down and she's going to have to become a tooth fairy this doesn't bode very well for eleanor so she goes to the school's archives and happens to find a letter from a 10 year old girl named mckenzie who needs help from a godmother Eleanor goes rogue and decides to help Mackenzie. However, when she arrives on Earth, she finds out that Mackenzie is a, now a full-grown adult. But that doesn't stop Eleanor from trying to help improve her life. But like I said before, she's only a fairy, fairy godmother in training, so things are a little bumpy along the way. Ah, oh, boy. Uh, this movie is kind of cute. It's kind of funny. It's original and... Uh, Dennis, I, I think you watched this, didn't you? I, I did. I actually watched it as well because I was just I wanted to find something else Christmassy. And and I will say Disney Plus describes this as being set in the Christmas time. So I'm like, OK, this is probably a Christmas movie. Not as Christmas me uh, <laughs> Christmassy as I thought it was going to be. It's kind of like, yeah, it's Christmas. It could be set in the middle of summer and it would have made mm. no difference on the plot. That really doesn't change much of anything. I feel like we already started writing the movie. And Disney was like, shit, we need to release something in December. Okay, let's rewrite this piece of shit. And we have godmothered. So I, I misspoke when I said piece of shit. It's it's not that bad. It's not that. It's not that bad. It's um it's, yeah, you tell yourself on that, man. I it was pretty cool. I have to um one one thing I think worth mentioning, the the head godmother I thought was a cool casting choice. They got Jane oh, yeah. Curtin to play mm -hmm. the lead godmother, and that was kind of just neat casting to see among all of the I feel like a lot of faces I didn't necessarily recognize. But yeah. I will say that first godmother that we meet, that's like the DJ. She was cute. I liked the Oh, June Squibb. I love her, man. June Squibb. She, she was great. hilarious. One that of my favorite characters. That was funny. She was, uh, yeah. And I, I really liked Jillian Bell. And I liked, mm -hmm. I liked her character in this movie. It, she was very yeah. sweet. I think it was like a Hallmark movie got Disney budget. Yes. Like it, where it was just so easy in plot 
just nothing tried necessarily very hard. Like uh, my sister and my wife even pointed out, like there's that threat of, oh, the portal's going to close in so uh-huh. many days. And it's like, wait, is that a threat? Uh, yeah, because it seems like she's doing perfectly fine in, in on Earth. She seems cool. She could live here, I feel like. Oh, oh, oh by the way, she's going to lose her magic. We're going to throw that in right now. We're going to tell you. We're going to tell but you does now. Does she really even do very much with her magic? I feel like she doesn't do too much. I, no, no, she does a lot. She does a lot. I feel yeah. like that we, otherwise we wouldn't have got, uh, what is it, Gregory the... Prince? No, the raccoon. Oh, Gregory the raccoon is my favorite fucking guy, dude. Is it he's Gregory? the fucking shit. Uh, he's I don't the know. man. Him and June Squibb should get a spinoff. Yeah. Like when he's putting up those Christmas lights and then he bites them. <laughs> and like then when yeah. I'm like, the outage is this, this, this lady in a raccoon. And it's like, oh, oh man. God. Oh, and it was uh, so, yeah, it, it's it's pretty cheesy for my taste. This is, it's it's a family movie that's made digestible for everyone mm-hmm. in the room. And I think we took that a little too close to heart for me personally. It's It's a little too broad. For my taste. Yeah, I think um, what I what I was going to say, I feel like I'm not a part of the key demographic for it. So that's kind of holding me back a bit. But I feel like if I was younger, I would love this. You're buried so far down in there that you're not you're not the main focus of it anymore. Yeah. It's 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 now trying to get your wife and your kids and your mother and your nieces and nephews to also sit mm-hmm. down and watch the movie with you. And it's oh. like, well, OK, I guess that's cool, too. I'm. Didn't realize we were trying to get literally every person I know in my life to sit and watch the movie with me, but okay. One thing that felt a little interesting that I, I'm excited that you watch this movie too is the uh, the Always Sunny in Philadelphia connection that we have. Yeah. What was that? Uh, um, Mo- was it Melissa Melissa Day? Yep. Was yep. was great. I loved her no, playing the, the sister. Mm-hmm. Great character. Val and I both totally forgot that what the setup was, the fact that she's a 40-year-old single mother, that yes. the godmother is coming to help now. And it was like, oh, is this her wife? Yeah, that's what I thought when she first came in. Like she's that's like, so Oh, funny. you're the wife that lets them stay up and eat pizza and watch the news. And you're the one that gets on them about all of the uh-huh. not fun things. And until they said, Oh, you know how bad mom were, and it's like, okay, you say oh, like shit, I'm like right. I think it would have been perfectly fine. I'm like, they should have been a couple. And then the the godmother comes in and kind of helps them out. But the payoff at the end wouldn't have been what it was. Her having gone through that journey. Because the whole point was, she doesn't need to replace the piece. It's continuing on from that point. Which we're we're spoiling a little bit of the movie for you. But Oh, sorry. Eh, there isn't exactly a whole back, lot to spoil here. So. We also got Artemis. She looks a little bit yes. different, I feel like. I'm like, oh, I kind of like her in this role, too. But, you know, seeing seeing Artemis and uh, Melissa Day in this movie just gets me, gets, gets me wanting to shovel some driveways, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, you want to nah, sit at a bar and talk go, about some driveway shoveling? You want to go, you wanna go shovel Isla's driveway? Because <sighs> I, I think I could shovel a driveway. <laughs> it, it, their, their, their sad attempt at thinly veiling sexual innuendo is hidden under shoveling driveways. I got to say, I laugh my ass off. When we tried to think this was something that, that was kid-friendly to sling out, and we still get Isla Fisher saying, shoveling my driveway. <laughs> How many slices? Oh. Uh... I, I, I gave Godmother... Uh, I gave it two slices because it, oh! it got a couple of genuine laughs out of me. I gave it two slices too, man. All right. We're back no on oh, together. Shit. That's awesome. All right. Uh, I mean, it's not a bad movie. Like we said, we're just not the it's core not the worst, demographic the for it. It's yeah. yeah it's like it, it got some genuine chuckles. I liked some, not mm-hmm. just the physical comedy, but this 
there is some dialogue that was genuinely funny. Yeah. And I, I, lo- I love Jillian Bell's delivery. I'm already a fan of uh, Isla Fisher. She was funny. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any hard time buying that she was like the single hardworking mom. I liked the the channel, the director of the channel. He was in, um, God damn it, what's the singing movie? Singing uh, movie. Uh, Pitch Perfect. Right. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's in, that's, that's him in Pitch is Perfect. He? Right. Who, who's he playing? I'm, I'm, I'm digging. I don't, I'm, I'm gonna dig. I don't know. I don't. I don't recall him, but I mean, he probably is. There's so many people in those movies. He he's in another movie with Jillian Bell, which yeah, he is in the Pitch Perfect movie. Yeah, you're right. He plays yep, a guy named Donald, go. and he's in Mulan, the the new Mulan movie. Oh shit. Yeah. Uh, but uh, fuck, is he? I believe when I was watching him, I th- think he was in a movie that I really loved last year. Uh, that also starred Jillian Bell. Yeah, he was in this movie with Jillian Bell. Uh, called Britney Runs a Marathon. So uh, I'm going to keep us going with one more review, if that's cool with you, Dennis. I am very cool with that. What do you All got right. for us here? All right. So uh, I also watched a holiday movie. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to brag. Remember when I told oh. you a couple of weeks ago I was going to talk about holidays that weren't just Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa? I was going to oh. dig deep. You're taking for- us down that holiday road? I'm taking us down holiday road. The holiday I'm talking about... <laughs> <laughs> is every Wookiee's fucking favorite holiday. Life Day, man. I watched hey, the day. Lego Star Wars Holiday Special. So you you saw the last uh, Star Wars trilogy, right? Yes, sir. Of course. All right. Of course. Well, I've, this movie... I, I did that to myself. This movie takes place after all that happened. You did do that to yourself. Good, good job, man. <laughs> <laughs> we all did. We all got jj all... on that. <laughs> JJ real good. So we uh and we all got fucking uh Rain Johnson. That's where I really started loving the flicks. Yeah, fucking Oh, oh come on. <laughs> blame it all on Rain Johnson. I will blame it. I'll rain it down on Johnson, man. Go do him knives out too. I'd rather watch that shit. <laughs> so this takes place after that last trilogy, and we pick up with Ray trying to teach Finn how to be a Jedi. And, like, you know how back in the day when fucking Obi-Wan was, like, putting the fucking, like, uh, blinders on fucking Luke and he had to fucking hit the little ball of with the lightsaber? So that was happening here with these cats. Training droid, yeah. yeah. And uh, needless to say, Finn wasn't doing so great. But, and, and fucking... Our, uh, our lady hero here, she was getting kind of frustrated and angry. And this is when they were all down on the Wookiee planet. I forget. It's fucking Kashyyyk, I think it is, right? That's where the Wookiees live. So it's before Chewie's family's coming. The whole gang's there. None of the original voice cast except for fucking uh, Rose. What, what's her face? Um, we were talking about her last week. Kelly Moran Train. She plays... Kelly Marie Train, yeah. She plays Rose. She's here. But it's kind of a comedy take. Somehow, Ray is like, I've read all the fucking books. I trained with Luke and Leia, and I'm a bad fucking teacher. Finn kind of feels bad. And like, don't worry. Let's take a break. It's fucking time to celebrate the whole holiday. And she's like, she finds out that there's a place she can go and find uh, something that will help her learn the ways of the Jedi and learn how to teach our hero Finn to be a Jedi. So her and BB-8 fucking flee. They go to this place. They find this little crystal rock and like it opens an interdimensional portal and she travels through time and she travels through famous 
scenes from all the movies and scenes that were made up. All our characters from all nine movies. And there's some really cute and funny little things and some good jokes along the way. And pretty much she sees Luke learning how to be a Jedi. She sees uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan. She sees Liam Neeson. She sees everyone with their masters. She's realizing, oh shit, maybe it's more about being friends with your fucking Padawan. And that's what I need to do. And there's some crazy things that happen along the way, but there's real no, there's, there's really no plot here, but I will say it's nice. Yeah, we get yeah. one other legacy character in this movie. We get fucking Billy D Williams here as fucking Lando. So that made it worth it in my book. But, um, this is definitely different from the original uh, Star Wars holiday special. We don't have any fucking new characters that we're meeting like Boba Fett. We don't get any B Arthurs. We don't get, well, we do. Uh, there was a funny, <laughs> there was a funny joke. They brought, they were bringing in like a band and like everyone else from the band's dead. And there's just fucking max reload. Anyways, this is just like a giant comedy and there's a lot of cool references but it doesn't have an actual plot. It's 44 minutes, but it feels really long. It feels like an extended fucking robot chicken Dude. episode. So I'm going to give this two slices of toast. Like, if you're a kid Dude, and wow. you like okay. jokes, uh, it's cool. But it was just fun seeing. If you're seeing... a kid and you like jokes <laughs> and you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, you're at the right podcast, kids. Keep on coming back for these sweet <laughs> orgasm talks. Oh, my God. Uh, but it just, I don't know. It's not oh. a four slicer. So with, okay, I got to say what kept me away from it. Cause I thought, I, oh, this could be funny. I could, I could chuckle at some like star Wars humor, mm-hmm. but 40 some minutes. I, how, and then I watched the trailer and so yep. many things go by so fast. How, how, how does all of that fit into the same cohesive story? Oh, dude, it's not very cohesive. It's, is it just for shits and giggles? Uh, yeah. It's a two slicer. Uh, if you have 44 minutes and you want to laugh and you want to see some interesting things you never thought you'd All see. Right. Yeah, but uh, don't rush out of your house. I- I'm going to get baked and watch. Oh, yeah, that'd be great, man. You get fucking stone, get drunk, get whatever. I'm talking to you, kids. Get high. Family fiction. Uh, yeah, so uh, you want to talk about something more Star Wars than this? Oh, we can, we can get down on that Star Wars. We want to dip our toe in a little bit of Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, our Mando talk. We got some spoilers. Watch out if you want to listen. Listen. If not, thanks for listening to the show. Well, in this latest episode, we we are continue we are we're continuing with Mando taking Grogu now that we know his mm. his awesome name out to a place where he could potentially get trained in the ways of the Force. We have been pointing the direction of a location where should he meditate near this seeing stone, he could communicate with other Jedi, or at the very least be receptive to the thoughts of other Jedi to him. He was not planning on or a whole bunch of people rolling up on him as they were floating off to this particular meditation location. Mm-hmm. A very familiar ship descends from the heavens after they find their place of worship. And we see the slave one settle down in the, off mm-hmm. in the distance. And Mando watches it suspiciously as he he believes a threat is looming over soon. Grogu goes into this crazy fire trance where we don't 
there's no clear indication of what exactly is occurring, but a great deal of force energy is obviously being exerted because it knocks a lot out of him by the time he comes to. And all the while this intense moment is happening, we see a a face we saw in a previous episode that is confirmed to be Boba Fett himself. What? He's, he's come to reclaim the armor that is rightfully his. And mm -hmm. after acquiring what we assume, what we thought might have been Boba Fett's armor in a previous episode, actually the premiere of the season when they kill the crate dragon, that is the armor that belonged to none other than Boba Fett himself. Yes, and sir. After some apparent, what I'm guessing are Sarlacc scars <laughs> all across his face and probably covering much of his body from God knows what. And another bounty hunter who Mando Hood assumed dead from their prison break episode were working together to try to reclaim this armor. Now, over the course of the events of the episode, and unfortunately, the death troopers that were revealed to exist in the last episode have come <laughs> to claim the child for the Empire. Boba Fett commits himself to... Uh, him and his aide, uh, I actually forget her name, they, they committed themselves to returning the child to Mando because that was their promise. They will only take the armor as long as the child remains safe. And because the child is Very not honorable. safe, they must fulfill their side of the deal. And I, I love this tone. And that's something that I feel it goes back to the, uh, I've said it a thousand times, but the Clone Wars animated series, the group of uh, bounty hunters that helped raise Boba Fett this is like how I would see him carrying himself. Now, at a younger age, he's a little more hot-headed and he's got something to prove. But I like that seeing him at this age now, having been through some shit, probably quite literally after being going through the digestive tract of a <laughs> Sarlacc, he, he, he's going to carry himself in this kind of way. He has a certain code. It, it's, it's no up or down, left or right. It's his own honor system that's like, I'm going to commit to my word. Mm -hmm. And I love that this is something that our, our hero can identify as well. He can respect because yeah. uh, he lives by a very similar thing. Once he got the fucking armor, he fucking opened up like the fucking VIN number. He's like, read this, dude. I swear this this armor belonged to my dad. This is mine. Yeah, I want to prove to you. Cool. I'm not just lying to you. And that connection that uh, Django was a foundling, just like him. And the fact we're leaving out that the actor playing Boba Fett is actually the guy that played Django Fett in the original. Uh... This is true. And the, the reasoning for that um, added layer of like, how could it be the exact same actor is for those out of the loop. He is a perfect genetic clone of Django Fett. So he ideally would look exactly the same. And he didn't want to want him to be altered like the other clones for the clone army because he wanted something that would be imperfect just like him. Boba is as close to a Mandalorian as Django could possibly get in his own right, because even Django, we now know, isn't a full true blooded Mandalorian in the in, in the literal sense. Uh, he wasn't born on the planet, I guess. Uh, he is a part of the culture, though. He is ingrained into the religion. So that much is very much his and that that was a cool uh, episode just to see oh oh shit and then after all of this uh great director talk uh tarantino uh -huh. coming up earlier in the episode, yep. robert rodriguez directed uh -huh. this episode uh, when i saw them I'm like oh fuck pretty badass to see i will say i feel like the episode slowed down in pace when we got to the gun battle uh once the stormtroopers were fighting uphill towards the sniper that scene i kind of lost mm. the geography of the what was going on where and i was just kind of like okay we're just seeing action for a few minutes it looked cool but after a while it got a little old 
And I'm like, I want to advance a little further, you know? I got to say, I was, before I said I knew it was Robert Rodriguez, I love his shit and whatnot. But I said, this episode does not look as cinematic as the other episodes. Something seemed a little more yeah. to me. I don't know what it was. It was like they shot it in another format or something. Yeah. Or, or it's like, this was shot post-COVID or, or I don't know what it, it just felt different. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like the world that we've seen and lived in. It, yeah, like I, I, I hate, I, I don't want this. I don't want to say that it's a bad episode. It just didn't feel natural. I know this is going to sound sacrilegious or whatnot. When we first see Boba Fett, he's like an older dude. And it's like, he doesn't look agile. He doesn't look fit. But then once he's in the armor, he's doing all this badass stuff. And I'm like, I don't buy this old man is that guy in that armor. What? I don't think he's that agile. I, I, to me, I, I was kind of taken aback. When he had the Tuscan gaffy stick and he just beat the shit out of the That I could believe. That I could. That was that, awesome. That, that, that was badass. As soon as yeah. I saw that, like, as soon as he picked it up off his back, I'm like, oh, shit's about to go down. That That is a fearsome weapon. And the fact that he learned, and, and that says something else about his character he he was stuck on a planet and he held himself to a planet to where when he lost his armor this is all he was about he True. literally learned the culture of the local people absorbed mm-hmm. their fighting style in order to survive that is a tuscan rifle he was using mm-hmm. and a tuscan uh gaffy stick i don't know i just i just love the character he is and he with 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 age comes wisdom or at least in boba fett's age he gained the wisdom of the warriors around him. I feel like he talked too much. I feel like the beauty of Boba Fett was he didn't say much. He was kind of a background player until, uh, until pretty much his, his last, like, I don't know. He, has he ever had another Mandalorian to speak to? Especially someone who's going to be this adamant about the culture of their armor. Cause if, if anyone's sure. going to understand what's happening, it's going to be him because he as connected as he is to his own armor. He's going to understand why another Mandalorian is going to see a man outside of their armor, a man who seems to be outside of their culture, demanding he wants a piece of something he has. Hmm. I, 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 I totally get Mando's re- uh, resistance up, up top, but it's like, no, 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 you, you should know this is why it's this important. But I also feel like that is why Boba felt the need to prove it to him. That's why he just took it without asking. And then, like you said, shown him like the yeah. fucking armor VIN number. You can see here, this is why. And we're leaving out some very major thing. Uh, Mike, by the way, please go and put a spoiler alert before all this, because I don't want people to get pissed. And I, like I said before, I, sorry, I just got to mention, I loved that Clone Wars style opening you did last time. That was awesome. So, um, and the ship that we've seen go through hell and back is finally oh. destroyed. But the he razor found crest. Oh. the, the, the yeah. remnants that he found, that little ball that Grogu has. And it's very meaningful because Grogu was captured and he's now in yeah. prison. But yes. we see him using the fucking four streets of stormtroopers like they're fucking dolls, man. He's oh, yeah. a badass. But we uh, should point out the, the fact that this point in time, we've confirmed something else from the expanded universe. Uh, Moff Gideon did use death troopers. So there were these droids that actually recovered Grogu. They are a very well-established thing within the uh, Imperial Expanded Universe from the past Star Wars comics and books that huh. 
and even the video games these these existed in the dark forces series they are fearsome uh, cybernetic soldiers that have been given both human input through combat information but they are given the control of a droid it's terrifying terrifying things and the fact that they were sent to collect them this, this is something that will be an interesting battle to see the fet and mando go toe-to-toe with some death mm-hmm. troopers would be a, a cool scene it's crazy like a part of me like when he was when grogu was captured and taken i was like heartbroken and so fucking sad man and i'm like wait dude what did you think was fucking gonna happen this has to happen yeah. we know he's not gonna get killed but it just was a fucking I was taken aback. I'm like, oh man, I was very worried about this character, man. We got to hit that stage of the story where we got to get him back. True. We have to have break, bust him out. What? Well, well, speaking of busting out, the fact that we're gonna go bust out fucking uh Bill Burr to come and help get Grogu back. Uh, I'm fucking pumped. Oh, that was cool. I I am very excited. He he was a great character. I I really enjoyed mm-hmm. that episode from the first season. That episode it was, was solid. one of my favorite episodes. I think. Mine too. Yeah, mine too. Great. That'll yeah, that'll be fun to bring him back. I would love mm-hmm. to see how we're going to use those characters now. Yeah, his character. Oh boy, but um, yeah. So I'm intrigued to see what happens next with our gang and uh, seeing Mando and and I want to see if we if he says his real name again because it's not like fucking Boba Fett's gonna call him Mando because like that's our fucking race and our fucking religion and whatnot. True, and I I feel like if any if he's gonna share that information with anyone again. Or at uh-huh. least he himself brings it up. It's going to be with someone else in his armor. Like, yeah, it's going to be another one of Mandalorian culture. I'm ready to shovel. I'm ready to shovel a driveway. I don't know about you. I feel like someone would get mad if I wanted to go and shovel right now and wake someone up and shovel their driveway. You're just going to shovel someone's driveway right out in front of the neighborhood for everyone to see. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a wacky man. You know, honestly, uh, I, I just ordered a snowblower, so I might go blow right in the driveway later. That's. A snowblower for shoveling the driveway? That you're you're crazy, man. I gotta have toys, buddy. You gotta you gotta be able to get in there. You gotta you gotta find the right way to get it. You gotta get it off. You gotta get it good. You gotta get rid of it. You gotta scoop it. You gotta get deep in there. You gotta get thick. It's just it's way too much of a mess. I I can't I can't handle all of that that work that cleanup. The maintenance. I mean, that's just, it's too much effort. I shoveled my spot. Yeah, a whole neighborhood. I'm a shoveler, baby, and I'm proud of it. Well, don't tell your better better half you're shoveling all the other driveways in the neighborhood. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't, unless I, yeah, I guess. I mean, I shovel for her too. I guess uh, she. Well, I guess if she's cool with it, then who cares? I'm not gonna. I'm not going to think any less of you. That's your own thing. Dennis, I can't just be locked down. Say if I, if I'm not working a gig, I got to get out there. I got to, I got to make a few bucks. I got to shovel. I got to oh, work. The well, damn. I got to be a day walker. I got to be a night walker. I got to get whatever I can. I don't have the ball to shovel other driveways, just my own. I guess. I mean, when you got to make a buck, you got to make a buck, my friend. I do. Hey guys, thanks for listening to our, our, our... <laughs> God. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Hopefully you like some of the movies. Hopefully you'll check them out. Hopefully you'll let us know if you like them, if you hate them, if you agree, if you disagree. All at our social social media. Uh, Social. At Movie Toast. News and reviews on Facebook and YouTube. And at Movie underscore Toast on Instagram, Reddit, Discord. 
uh, Twitter, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can leave a review. We'll, we like that. Socials. Dennis, can you, can you give a good outro? Because I, I feel like I'm just loopy right now. I think No, we, we got this. I, yeah. So we, we got a little, we got a little action in tonight. We got some festivities. We're, we're getting, we're keeping with the themes a little bit. We ventured outside a little, but it was a fun time. It was a fun time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I hope we've inspired you to, to, find some more holiday films you didn't uh, didn't consider before yeah maybe maybe adopt a new series of uh, of garbage to start jamming down you i i'm looking forward to next week we'll have some, definitely have some more christmas titles i know i have a couple you stop making promises my ass can't check yeah well i i i will cash a butt dollar at the check bank yep you got to go do for that. you yep <laughs> God damn it! Yet a good outcome, oh, and I man. just fucked up. Ah, oh, boy. So, anyways, folks, we <laughs> hope you enjoyed. Hope you enjoyed the episode. As always, the socials. You come tell us how we did, how we didn't do. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you didn't think. That would be a fun one, actually. If you made it this far, dude, thanks for listening, everybody. I, I appreciate it. And as always, folks, especially in the holiday season, stay Well, I'm Bova, all that fat.